Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Listen, I heard this story of this woman and her child in Scotland. And the mother was taking the child from one place to another and a snowstorm came and the baby was cold and the mother took off all her clothes and wrapped the baby in the clothes to keep it warm. She tucked the baby in a place by a tree and the mother was found frozen, dead and naked the next day. And the baby was warm and alive. And she gave her life for the child. William Gladstone stood before the House of Commons in England to tell them that Prince Alice had died. Her daughter had contracted diphtheria. The doctors told, told her that she couldn't kiss her daughter because diphtheria was contagious by breathing the child's breath. Well, once the child was struggling to breathe and the mother took the child in her arms and while struggling for her life, the child looked at her mother and said, Mama, kiss me. And Prince Alice, Princess Alice kissed her daughter, and contracted diphtheria and died. For those of you that are readers, the tale of two cities. Charles Dickens, you know, tells the story of Charles Darney, who was innocently found guilty and put in prison to await the guillotine. His friend, Sidney Carton, came to prison and drugged him, took his clothes, and because they resembled each other, Darnie took the guillotine for him the next morning. Listen, these are all great stories of love, aren't they? All great stories of sacrifice and great acts of bravery. But can I, under, can I help you understand something? All of those stories, as wonderful and great as they are, pale in comparison to the love story of Jesus Christ. Pale in comparison. Why, you ask? Because Jesus gave his life for his enemies. Don't y'all get it? Nobody was loving on Jesus when he went to the cross. They were hating on him. Nobody was running to Jesus saying how much they loved him and how much they worshiped him and how much they, they gave thanks for him. He went to the cross even while we were yet sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 7 through 8 memory verse tells us, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners or still sinners, Christ did what, saints? He died for us. Even while we were still sinners. Look at verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And no longer do I call you servants. For a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Again, Jesus establishing a, a new relationship with his disciples. This word friend is an intimate word. Actually, it's from the courts of the Roman emperor. 
and the eastern kings. Listen to this. The Roman emperor had a court, a very select group of men who were called the friends of the king or the friend of the emperor. These men were intimate friends with the king. They weren't just advisors who were schooled politically. They were dear friends of the king or the emperor. They were his protectors. They were the ones who cared for his life at all times. They had immediate access to the king. They could enter into, the be- into his bedchamber in the morning. They didn't have to gain entrance from anybody because they were called the friends of the king. He talked with them before he talked with his generals. He talked with them before he talked with the rulers of other nations. The friends of the king had access to the king. The friends of the king were those who had the closest possible relationship with the king. They could come to him anytime, any place, and anywhere. And listen, put your thinking cap on. Don't you remember the Jews said to Pilate, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend or you are not a friend of the king. Remember that? Do you remember when Jesus said to Judas, Judas, or he said, friend, why have you come? Because Judas was a friend of the king. King Jesus, that is. He was a friend of the king. Judas, why have you come? This word friend is a very intimate and personal and close word. Jesus calls his disciples, his true disciples, the abiding branches, the real fruit bearers, Friends, not servants, because a servant doesn't know what's going on. Jesus says, you are no longer slaves, you're friends. That's a nice step up, isn't it? Go from friend, or go from servant to friend. That's a nice step up. The word servant, got a pen? Write it down. It's a Greek word, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, and it means slave. Servant means slave. In those days, a servant wasn't a shameful title. It is today, but it wasn't in those days. It was used of people who served God. Moses was called a servant. uh, Joshua and David both were called servants of God. In the New Testament, Paul counted it an honor to be a servant and a slave. Are you listening? Uh, James was excited to be a bond servant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1, 1. Jesus is saying, fellas, I'm establishing a brand new kind of intimacy based on friendship, not acquaintance, a friend. Abraham was a friend of God. And listen, when you're friends, you don't feel awkward to call upon your friend when you're in need. And the reason you don't feel awkward is because you have a relationship. So when life comes at you, Calvary Chapel, help me out. When life comes at you and life comes at you fast. Y'all, okay, write that down next time, okay? (laughs) And life comes at you fast. You can call upon your friend. And he'll help you. When you are in a situation in your life, you can call upon your friend. His name is Jesus, and he will help you. But you got to call on him, and he'll help you. Because that's what friends do. They have a relationship, and there's an intimacy and a unity and a fellowship between friends. And you don't have to be formal when you're friends with somebody. I'm not formal with my friends. I don't, I'm not correct with my friends, per se, with my words. You know, when, you, when you're friends with somebody, you just talk to them. You know, when I'm in the pulpit, I'm, 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 I'm correct. My words are being chosen because I'm speaking to all of you, and then this sermon will go on the radio, and it will go to thousands and thousands and thousands of hearers. So I have to be correct. I've got to choose the right word. 
and, and, and be a bit formal. But when I'm talking to my friends, I don't have to be that way. When I'm talking to my wife, I'm just talking. Why? Because she gets me. And I can say the wrong thing and she'll go, oh, no, honey, it ain't that. But I know what you mean. Right? Ladies, y'all do it all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honey, it ain't that. But I know what you mean. Yeah, because we're friends. Because she knows me and I know her and there is an intimacy that we have. And so it is true with Jesus. We don't have to be correct with Jesus. We don't have to have the right prayer. And I'm t- I guess I'm preaching to myself right here because I remember some years ago, I used to think that when you're talking to Jesus, you had to have the right words. Anybody willing to be honest in church? Okay, okay, good, okay. I'm not by myself. And, and I used to think I had to have the right words. And I also used to think that I used to have to talk loud because I was talking to Jesus. And he's like way up there. So in order for him to hear me, I have got to elevate my voice. So I, re- I remember that. I remember being in prayer meetings and, you know, you're standing around in a circle and, you know, you're praying loud like, Lord Jesus, Father. And, you know, you get, and then you get, and then you think you got to be formal because you're talking to God, you know. Father, the omnipotent one, though who sits high, looks low, Lord if thou wouldest thine, come down to thine people and beest with thee. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be in prayer meetings like that, and you're like, huh, what? Are you, so you think you're, or, or you think you have to pray not only loud, but long. I used to think the length of prayer equal, was equal to the strength of prayer. So you pray long, and you're in a prayer meeting. I mean, I've been in some prayer meeting circles, y'all, they're going on and on. You just hold hands, and you're like, and just when you think they're done, and you go, they go, and Father, in Jesus' name, and you go, yes, yes, amen. They go, and Lord, one more thing. <laughs> You're like, oh, man. Am I the only one here? It's like, you know, you, you, none of those things. Listen, when you're talking to God, talk to God. Just talk to him. And, 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 and two, the other side of that is don't be irreverent, because I've been there, too, and heard those kind of prayers, you know, like calling God homie. Amen. God is not your homie. Uh-huh. Write that down. God is not my homie. God is not your homie. You don't refer to him as the big man upstairs. People are like, all right, let's get together. We're going to pray the big kahuna upstairs. I'm like, what? He ain't the big kahuna upstairs. We're talking about God. God's not your homie. Like your children. I tell my kids, I'm not your, listen, don't, don't refer, I'm your father. You need to respect that. All right, I'm not your homie. They'd be like, hey, Dad, what's up, homie? I'm like, boy, you better get somewhere. <laughs> okay, you better sit back. I know that. I'm not your friend. All right, amen. I'm not your, I'm your father. And at the same time, again, we're talking about balance. There's intimacy and there's relationship there and there's no need to guard your words there. You know, even now, my, my son, when I come into the house, my son is usually sitting in the family room. Generally, he's sitting in the family room working on something or whatever. And, and then because there's relationship and you know, there's no need to be formal, he, you know, he doesn't say, hello, Mr. Finch. <laughs> or, you know, he loudly, Mr. Finch is home. He doesn't do that. He says, the most holy reverend Apostle Bishop Finch is home. <laughs> yes, my children, kiss the ring. Yes, my. No, actually, he says the old man's home. 
But there's, because we have a relationship with Jesus. Are you happy about that? Come on, clap your hands and say amen. We, we, we don't have to be that formal with him because we are friends. Jesus said, verse 16, I got to come in for a landing. Look at verse 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. The Greek grammar reads that you should keep on going and that you should keep on bringing forth fruit and that it should remain or abide. Notice Jesus says, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. Interesting, because human friendships are usually mutual choosing of each other, right? But not in Jesus' case. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you that you should go. Listen, that word go is a very interesting word in the Bible. This word go, and I want you to write this down. If you've not written anything down, write this down. This word go marks the direction of Christian service. Marks the direction of Christian service. Go. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said, go and work today in my vineyard. Jesus said, therefore, go into the highways and invite men to the wedding. He told a man to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. Jesus told the woman at the well to go and do what? Sin no more. He tells his disciples to go and bear fruit. You have not chosen me, verse 16. I've chosen you. Now listen quick. I got to move quick. I want you to listen quick. Some scholars concerning this verse, you have not chosen me. I've chosen you. Some scholars say that this verse is dealing with an individual calling of God. For example, Jesus chooses the disciples and told them to follow him. And some scholars say that this verse is dealing with election and predestination. Now, I believe, listen, this verse is talking about election, salvation, and predestination. Why? Remember Calvary Chapel. I always tell you, Context, 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 yes? So you always kind of want to go with the first five verses up and the next five verses down to get the context. Now I want you to go with me to 15 verse 19. Look at verse 19. And here's why I believe this verse is referring to salvation, election, and predestination. Look at verse 19. If you are of this world, Jesus said, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world... Somebody read this with me. But I chose you out of this world. That's salvation. Therefore, the world hates you. You see, this verse is clear that Jesus chose those to be saved. Now, we've covered this topic of election, unconditional election, predestination, all the same in many other studies. And we won't belabor it this afternoon. But I do want to tell you that, listen, God chooses those to be saved before the foundation of of the world. Before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. And before you were in your mother's womb, God chose you to be saved before the foundation for the world, before he ever said light be and light was. What you talking about, Willis? 
It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Read it for yourself. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Election is based on his foreknowledge and providence. Now listen quick, y'all. Let me go over this quick. I got to talk quick, all right? The word providence comes from two Latin words, providentia. Providentia. Pro means ahead. Dentia means to see. Providence means to see in advance. It means to see ahead through the omniscience and foreknowledge and providence of God. He chooses and predestines men to be saved. But men, watch this, must also choose God. Divine choice intersects with human choice, and both are true. God elects, God predestines, and yet we must make a choice to make a decision. I think of John the Baptist and Jesus who said, repent, that's something you do. Matthew chapter 11, come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's something you do. But at the same time, John 6 says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. That's something that God does. You see, they, they intersect. Divine election and human choice intersect. They go hand in hand. Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's what you do. At the same time, it's God who's choosing you. You can't do it on your own. Ephesians 1, 4, we just read it, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Listen, for hundreds of years, people have tried to unravel the mystery of the doctrine of election. And I will tell you that if you figure this out, you'll probably get, be getting a pastoral visit while you're a patient in Holly Hill, if you figure it out. Somebody once wrote this. They said, the doctrine of election is so deep and rich, that if you try to explain it, you may lose your mind. If you try to explain it away, you'll lose your heart. The followers of John Calvin make the point that election has nothing to do with human choice. Calvinists teach that God is sovereign, that God has elected those to go to heaven and those to go to hell. And many Calvinists won't even preach the gospel because they say, what's the point? Some are elected and some are not. And then there are people who say, well, that's not fair. It's not fair that God elected or picked some and didn't elect or picked others. And people over the years have asked me, how do I know if I'm picked? They say, Pastor Rodney, how do I know if I'm elected? How do I know if I'm picked? Well, I say to them, do you want to be saved? They say, no. I say, well, then you're not picked. That's as simple as that. Do you want to be saved? Yes. Well, then you're picked. It's as simple as that. If you're not saved and you leave the day and you don't get saved, then you know you weren't picked. But God, here's the good news, saints. God wants everybody picked. God wants everybody saved. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. Jesus said, Jesus said, whosoever will, let them be picked. No, he actually said come, but picked. Whosoever will, let them come. D.L. Moody said, I'm sure glad the Lord picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I had done some living. Don't you love that? That's so true. And I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful by his grace I'm picked. I'm chosen. I'm saved by his grace. Amen. And that's all we'll say about that. Look at verse 16 again. And look at the latter part of verse 16, and I'm coming in for a landing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. 
Now, we've been talking about this for weeks. I'm not going to belabor it now. But we've been talking about praying in the name of Jesus. Yes? And I've been telling you that praying in the name of Jesus means praying in the nature of Jesus. It means praying in full identification with Jesus. It means that you're praying with the heart of God. This is your will. I know this is your will according to your word. And so I ask this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus is not a sign off to the end of your prayer. Some people think, well, you got to pray and then you got to say in the name of Jesus, otherwise the prayer didn't take. <laughs> Don't they? Some folks think that. It's true. And it's not a sign off. It's not like, you know, and, you know like a sign off like 10-4, uh, Roger Dodge, good buddy. Uh, over and out, Lord, I ask this, over and out, 10-4, Roger Dodge, good buddy. Not like that. Praying in Jesus' name simply means praying in full identification with him. It means praying what is consistent with his will. And when you are praying what is consistent with his will, that eliminates the give me this and the give me that. When you ask in Jesus' name, you're asking in harmony with his will. And when I'm coming in for a landing, listen, when you are connected to the vine, And there is this supernatural union that we've been talking about for weeks. Then you're not going to be praying things that consume them on your on your own self and on your own lust. James says you don't have because you ask and you ask for the wrong stuff. You ask, you ask amiss. So when you're praying, you're asking God, Lord, you know, Father, I pray in Jesus name. And this is big. I'm believing God. Big low catchphrase in the church. I'm believing God for that $2 million house. I'm believing God for that Bentley. I'm belie- Hey, why don't you believe God for a Hyundai? <laughs> the first thing came to mind. Why don't you believe God for that? Why are you going to believe God for? God wants to provide your need, not your greed. <laughs> Am I right about that? He wants to provide your need, not, not your greed. And why do you need a $2 million house with, you know, seven bathrooms? Isn't one enough? I mean, can you use it one time? Just saying. How many can you use it one time? So God is under no, listen, God is under absolutely no obligation to provide you with anything that you ask according to your own flesh because you want it. That's your greed. God does not necessarily provide for that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that there's anything wrong with money. And if you have a $2 million house, great, invite me over. (laughs) Amen. If you got, please, I don't think God has a problem with that. But what God has a problem with is when he blesses you with these things and then the church finds himself in the summer slump. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Because your priorities are messed up. God, you, money is neither good nor evil. The love of it is the problem. Money's not good nor evil. Money's not male nor female. Money is not a gender at all. It's what we do with it. 
Do we use it to glorify God? Do we use it to further the kingdom? Or do we use it to heap things upon our own selves? Or are we praying and asking God, God, I'm asking you this. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to save my brother who needs you, Lord, who needs you to touch him and save him and deliver him from crack cocaine. Father, I'm asking you this, and I'm asking in the name of Jesus. That prayer God will hear, and that is a prayer that is according to his will, his plan, his purpose, because it's aligned with his word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's aligned with his word. Praying in Jesus' name. Don't pray for things that consume upon yourself. Pray for things that will glorify God. God, I need a house to live in. God, if you provide me a house in the hood, it's a house. Amen. Amen. And I'll get home. Sometimes not so safe, but I'll get in those doors. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to do it. But God is faithful. God loves you. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. And he'll, he'll, he'll provide for you. But you have to ask him. And these things in verse 17, and then I'm out. These things I command you that you love one another. Jesus doesn't say these things I suggest. He said these things I command that you love one another. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.